0: I wanna share just a little bit about my story. Uh, Some of you have heard it, some of you haven't, but I wanna summarize a few important parts of my story, okay? In my young adult days, late teenager, young adult days, I fell into drugs and dealing drugs. I was spending a lot of time in Miami and Missouri and I happened to fall into the wrong crowd and I started uh, selling various types of drugs and that's how I was making my money. And as a cover up, I started waiting tables. I was waiting tables first at Red Lobster, and then I started uh, working for a now-defunct restaurant that I used to love so much called Steak & Ale Restaurant. Some of you may remember Steak & Ale. I was a head waiter and trainer. I won a lot of awards. I did really well. I was recognized nationally with this company. And at the same time, I was still selling drugs on the side. And then on my way to a Grateful Dead concert, I got busted with LSD and wound up spending a year in prison. Had I not spent that year in prison, I wouldn't be standing here today. So let's thank God that I went to jail. Thank you, Jesus. He got a hold of me when he did because who knows where I'd be. I could be dead. I could still be in prison or spun out mentally. Who knows what could have happened to my life? So God intervened and got a hold of me, and I gave my life to the Lord while I was in jail, and I, I tutored illiterates, and I learned how to read the Bible. And then when I got out, I went right back to table waiting, and I was waiting at the same restaurant as before when I went to jail, except before I went to jail, I was trading nickel and dime bags for my side work because I didn't want to stay late. Now I was offering to take people's side work and preaching the gospel to everybody in my restaurant. They absolutely could not stand me. Many of them really loved me before jail, but after jail, they were like, what what has happened to you? I said, I am so on fire for Jesus. I would preach to the cooks. I would preach to uh, the wait staff, and I just absolutely loved it. And so I was making, oh, not a lot of money waiting tables, when ultimately the Lord called me to Oral Roberts University. I finished my associate in arts degree at Miami-Dade Community College uh, with a degree in public relations, and then I wound up moving to to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I went to Oral Roberts University. And when I got to Tulsa, I went right back to table waiting. And while I was table waiting, I got offered a position while I was at Oral Roberts University to uh, work in customer service at a computer software company. And they offered me that job for $15,000 a year. I was making $7.50 after taxes. So I continued to wait tables on the weekend and go to school. While I was going to school, I uh, was making probably about $18,000 a year between both jobs when somebody I met at school offered me a position with their company for $31,000 a year. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. It was in customer service. So I took a job for $31,000 a year. This is how it happened. I met the right person at the right time. And they said, hey, I like your energy. I like how you are. Why don't you come work for me? So I went to work for them for $31,000 a year. In the first nine months, there was so much favor on my life that they gave me a $10,000 raise to $42,000 a year. At that time, I was going to a church church called Open Bible Fellowship. I'm so thankful for my pastors then, uh, Pastor Joel and Linda Budd. They they really transformed my life in so many ways. It was a church very similar to this church. I was answering altar calls and receiving prayer and just serving. I was going to the men's ministry. I was on the prayer partner team. I was going to the retreats. I was just fully giving the Lord my all and fully committed my life to him. Over the course of the next five years, my income would increase $20,000 a year. $20,000 a year there was so much favor on my life and there was so much supernatural activity happening in the arena of faith and finances That I started to tithe on what I wanted to make the next year Because I heard the Lord say how much are you going to trust me? I said, I'm going to trust you with everything When I was sitting in that job for $15,000 a year, I was sitting in an office cubicle every day all day for years calling out on return business mail on the phone. I was, it was brutal. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm miserable sitting in this office cubicle making $7.50 an hour. You know what the Lord said to me? He said something to me that changed my life forever. I'll never forget it. And it's really a word for all the young adults and those of you that are just starting out in your life that are the age that I was way back then. The Lord said, son, if you don't chase after money and promotion, one day it'll chase after you. And what he was really saying was chase after me because I know what you need and I'm the one that promotes you and I'm your provider. And so I gave it my all and I serve faithful. Whether you work at McDonald's, no matter what your job is, whether you clean up a parking lot, whether you clean toilets, I don't care what you do, you learn to be faithful and you work hard right where you're at and you trust God because promotion comes from him. And I knew if I didn't chase after money and promotion, one day it would chase after me. And so... While I was going to school during that time, I wrote a vision statement, a mission statement, and I set goals and strategies for my life. My vision statement then was to successfully lead others to experience an abundant life, happy, healthy, and free through Jesus Christ. Because I knew back then that God wanted me to have an abundant life, John 10.10, and I knew I had this knowing in my knower that I can't show you how to have an abundant life unless what? That's right. My dream and my desire my whole life has always been to help other people. So I also knew that if I made it about, about promoting you and helping you and laying my life down for others, what would God do? He'd take care of me. So instead of making it all about me, I made it about him and his kingdom. And so, Now we're talking, you have to understand something. This is 21 years ago that I'm talking about right now when I wrote that. I always knew I wanted to have, come on, y'all want to have an abundant life, right? And Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. But there's this principle in the kingdom that when you make it about promoting others and serving and loving and caring, and you give your life away for the purpose of the kingdom, God gives you true life back and then promotes you and elevates you. I'm going to show it to you here in the scripture. And so God elevated me. I was making 160,000 plus commission a year. I was saving money away and I wrote my my mission statement, which is the vehicle to my vision statement. It's how I was gonna get there. How was I gonna get there? And here was my mission statement. To successfully lead others in the business, corporate, professional world while making a handsome salary. (laughs) To sow back into ministry so that one day I could reap from it. I knew 21 years ago that God would promote me, and he was at that time, to make a lot of money. But I also knew that I was called one day to full-time ministry, similar to what I'm doing now. And I also kind of knew that ministry really doesn't pay a lot of money. So what I knew 21 years ago is that if I made the investment then, and I sowed and I gave willingly and cheerfully of my time and my talents and everything that I had, and I, I laid my life down, that one day I could reap from it. You're looking at that day now. Three days before New Year's, we were given $100,000 designated towards our build-out. Most of you don't know who it was. It's not from somebody that's a major millionaire, but it's somebody's life that I impacted about 15, 16 years ago who really, really worked hard and became very prosperous and wanted to believe so much in what we're doing, he wrote us a $100,000 check. Now, if we had a poverty mentality here, I would not tell you that. Because my desire is to break you out of a poverty mindset yeah. and to help you understand, we're going to talk about what it means to be rich or not here in just a moment. Yeah. And this really isn't a money message. This is my story to inspire you, and we're going to look at the scriptures that will get things into perspective so you can start to see 1, two, five, 10 years down the line and how you should be living now. That's what it's really about. And my life's just an example for, hopefully, for you to follow. But I'm just telling you my own unique story. And so I started giving on what I believed to make the next year. And you know what? God matched it every time because the Lord told me I could never outgive him, that he owned everything and to trust him even more. And so I gave him my time, and I served, and I loved, and I was very honorable with what God had given me. I went all in and I never looked back, even when it was hard, even when it was sacrificed. Now, it wasn't that hard then. I was single with no kids, it wasn't that difficult to do it. And so, if you're single with no kids, start to go all in and trust the Lord with everything that you have. And understand I'm going to show it to you in Scripture God's your provider, not man or your job or Wall Street or the White House or the, or the world's economy. They're not your provider. And so I was faithful, I worked hard, and I served, and I loved, and I started giving all my time at the church. And then I got hired as a youth pastor, but I didn't want to quit my big paying job. So they hired me part-time. So add another $17,000 a year to what I was making. There was only 20 high school kids, no big deal. I traveled during the week. And when I would travel, I'd drive Jaguars and the best rental cars and Lincoln Town Cars. And I would eat at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And I'd stay in Hyatt's and Omni's. And I'd drive right past the parking lots that I once slept in following the Grateful Dead or where I got busted or where I went to jail. Because God had now elevated me out of it. And now I could see where I had come from. And so God was really supernaturally blessing my life. But in a short amount of time, that youth group grew from 20 to 50 to 75 and beyond. And now my love and my passion was growing stronger to help the youth and to be in ministry than it was to sell insurance. And then what was happening was I was facing burnout because I was going, you know, 100 miles an hour. I'd be gone during the week. I'd come back and I'd do these huge camp outs and go to missions in the nations and I'd invest my whole life into these kids. And then I said, God, something's got to change. I'm about wore out. You know what the Lord said? Something does have to change. I already knew what that meant. That God was going to call me to quit my big paying job and go full time into the ministry. And sure enough, after two months of wrestling with the Lord, I walked away from that kind of money. And the church hired me for $35,000 a year to to lead the youth and a ministry school. Back to $35,000 I went. And then one day, my former boss in the corporate world called me up and said, Hey, there's a pastor that's taking over a church in Corpus Christi, and I think you're the guy to go run it. And after I kicked and bucked and screamed and fought, God wrangled me down and brought, got me to Corpus Christi. I talk, I've talked about that many times. And when I got to Corpus Christi, we started the coffee shop, a little coffee cafe, when I met a couple Uh, divinely through the church that said hey let's start a coffee shop if we put a business plan together I think we can get the money and sure enough they did it we started Coffee Waves Alameda a year later a wealthy business investor through a divine connection the right place at the right time related to church came up to me and said you should start a coffee shop in Port Aransas I said you should loan me the money and he said okay how much do you need I said $100,000 he said done I said, why are you doing that? He said, because God told me to do it. That's why you have to understand when you're not present, God has a way of networking his kingdom. You can't go through this life alone. You need each other in your, you need people in your life. If you want divine connections, somebody else may have just what you need at the right time. But if you're not present, you could miss it. And I'm going to tell you this from years and years and years and years of, of divine connections, divine appointments, of being in the right place at the right time. God knows how to build his kingdom and network you together with the right person. He's your provider. And sure enough, the door opened up. We started the coffee waves in Port Aransas, which is really where I make most of my money. It's my flagship shop. And so that shop's going great. I meet Amber. We get married. You guys know the story. And then what happens is one day we all get fired. I get fired and the church gets fired. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. The pastor fires me and fires the whole church. So we start Rock City Church in a cafeteria. I told the Lord, Lord, I never want to do church in a cafeteria. Guess where Rock City started? In a cafeteria. There we are. It's all a series of divine appointments, divine connections, trusting, being faithful, making the sacrifice, giving the Lord my very best at all times, even when it's not convenient and it's not comfortable because it's a sacrifice that God always looks for of your time, your money, your talents, and your resources. It's all. God said, I've had many people come to me and say, Pastor, is it okay if I give my time instead of my money? Like if I serve, I don't have the money, but I want to give my time. You know what I say? Heck yeah, come on. Give of your time, but also believe to give of your money because it's not either or; it's both. Because if you're only thinking time, you're living in a poverty mindset. Now we're going to talk about money here, and just in the context of being rich. This again, it's not a money sermon, but I want to put it in perspective. The point is, is for me, it was I want both. I want to give of my whole life, not just part of it. My whole life is a living sacrifice. So what I did 21 years ago today has become a foundation for me now. That was a present, a previous age. This is a current age. And there's still an age to come. And I'm going to show you how what you do now is going to affect you in 1, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And as I'm about to hit 50, I know I'm not as old as some of you, and I'm a lot older than a lot of you. But the point is, is I'm, as I'm getting to the second half of my life now, everything's coming into more urgency and perspective of how short life is. So if I can teach you at in your 20, late teens, 20s, and 30s now what, I, what God did in me, and you start to put those principles in place, it will transform your life in 10, 20, 30 years. And then you could take this church over and take it to where it needs to go or go build your own or transform lives all over the world. Right? And so I knew then if I made it about building his kingdom, he would take care of me to build mine, and I'll show it to you. And so... We, we had Coffee ways Port Aransas going on and we get fired. We start the church. And then one day somebody calls and says, I've got a shopping center for you. Fast forward, here we are. God's blessed our life. And the Lord showed me that 2020 is going to be a breakthrough prosperous year for so many. It's not a good hyped up feel good word. We live in some of the best times. I know it's some of the most polarizing times, but I'm telling you it's the best time to live in the kingdom. And I have this feeling that lots of resources and finances are going to come, not just for Rock City, but for all of you. I believe that for you. How many of you would like that for your life? I've got faith for you, even if you don't have faith. I think we live in incredible times. And I think it's going to be an awesome year. And God wants you to enjoy life, not live in fear. God wants you to trust him and believe in him. And so for me... It's been a lifetime of trusting and surrendering and pursuing him and pursuing godliness and learning to be content wherever I'm at instead of chasing after money and wealth. I'd love more coffee shops. I'd love more money, but I love him more than all that, and I want him, and he knows what I'm good with, so I take whatever he's put in my hand, and I invest it like the talents. I give it, and I double it up, and I'm constantly laying my life down even when it's not comfortable like prophesying over everybody till midnight and sacrificing being with my wife and my kids at night sometimes not all the time there are many times i come when i don't just you should see my wife she's more introverted she doesn't do big crowds very well but she makes this she's had to force herself to learn to adapt and change because she has to be present you can't be checked out and isolated there are many times i'd like man i'd prefer to stay home with my kids or not go to that special event or not be it, go to the outreach or not do those things. But I've learned I work for him. And there are many times that I'm sitting in a meeting or I'm sitting in an event. I'm like, why am I even here? Or or there's been thoughts in the past like this person has nothing to give back. There's not going to be any money. There's not going to be any return on my investment with them. And I don't think that very much. But I've had those thoughts in in the past. And you know what the Lord says? You don't work for them. I don't work for a millionaire or a homeless person, I work for Jesus. And He's my provider. He provides for me. And when you can get this revelation, it'll transform your life. So now let's look at the scripture. First Timothy chapter six. We're gonna start with verse seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present world. I want you to notice those two words, present world. Another version says present age. Because I'm going to show you coming age in here in just a moment. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. There's uncertainty in wealth and riches. And that's why you never should put your trust in it. We put our trust in God. Look at the next verse. Keep moving. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for what? For you to be miserable, barely make it, suffering in debt, drowning, where you're subject to money and your career. No. God wants you to enjoy life. Maybe some of you didn't know this was in the Bible, but it is. God wants you to be blessed. God wants and this isn't a prosperity message. This is being faithful with whatever you have. God is your provider. But put your trust and hope in who? God, who does what? Provides for you. Why? So you can be miserable and suffering and subject to money and Wall Street and the economy? See, I got this a long time ago. Get it now. Who's your provider? Why? For a purpose. He wants you to enjoy this life. Now let's go back. Now some of you, most of us aren't rich by American standards, right? So you think, well, this doesn't apply to me. First of all, let me say something to you. Some of you in this room likely could become rich one day by American standards. Some of you could. I don't think this is a message just to the rich. I think this is a message to everybody. Because all of us shouldn't put our trust in money and the things of this world, but rather our trust in God, right? But to put it in perspective, did you know on a global scale, globally, this is globally, if you make $34,000 a year or more, you're considered rich? That's taking into account all poverty all around the world. That's not very much money, really. But to some people, it's a ton of money. I was asked when I got that job for $15,000 a year by my trainer, what do you consider to be a lot of money? And I was like, oh, $75,000. If you have a family of four, $75,000 is not a lot of money. Did you know that according to American standards, if you make a million dollars a year, you're only upper middle class? Did you know people that have a poverty mindset or are really poor see a lot less money as wealthy and those that make a lot of money see a lot more money as wealthy? Millionaire standards considered uh, the rich or super rich $50 million to $100 million or more. So to keep it in perspective is this understanding that no matter where you're at in life, if you have a lot of money, don't put your trust in it. Look at the scripture. Go back, go back. It says, don't be arrogant. You know what arrogant means? Haughty, prideful, trusting in, in my own wealth and strength and riches, but rather we put our trust in God. That's why the millionaires that I know, they love Jesus and they love to give. And they've always, I have one guy who's very wealthy, who's a friend of mine that I don't talk to hardly at all, but I impacted him and his kids 20 years ago, sends a $10,000 check every year at the end of the year. I don't call him. I don't send him letters. I don't beg him for money. But because I touched somebody's life 20 years ago, they're so impacted by it today that they want to sew back into my own life, which is really your life. And so we don't be arrogant or put our hope in wealth, which is uncertain. You know what it means, uncertain? It means that you you never have enough, you're never happy, you're never satisfied, you're always chasing after it, and it never actually brings lasting peace to your life. Right? Next screen. But put their hope in God, who richly provides us. He richly provides. Do you see that? I'm going to show you how that happens. He richly provides us with everything, For our enjoyment. What good is it going to be. If you live another 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And you look back. And you worked your whole life away. And you were miserable. And you never did enjoyable things. With your friends and your family. And you lived life. And gave away what God had given you. And really experienced the fullness of this life. And enjoyment for God's purposes. Because when you do it God's way. It's the most enjoyable thing you could ever do. Because if you had a lot of money, you just spent it on your own trips and your own travel and your own stuff and your own house and your own cars and your own food and drink. You're never going to have the lasting peace and joy that God provides for you. It'll never be enough. Next verse. Command them to do good. Like I said, this isn't just for the rich. I guarantee it's for all of us. Do good and be rich in good deeds and, and to be generous and willing to share. So when I was making my money... From, even from the very beginning all the way through the time I made most of my money, I was very generous. I was tithing a couple thousand dollars a month. I was buying people's meals. I was paying for mission trips. I, was, I just gave away so freely because I realized God had given it to me to begin with. My time, my energy, everything that I had. Now, do it now. Do it now. Don't, don't wait. Yeah, command those that are rich to do those things, but what if you started doing it now? Instead of being feeling like you're stuck and living in fear and you can't get out, poverty mindset's always living paycheck to paycheck, but the wealthy use their money and invest it to make money for themselves in the future. I have life, whole life insurance policies, I have 401Ks, IRA, all these things I've had over the uh, many, many, many years. I invest in Bitcoin, I have a portfolio, I put in savings, I do mutual funds, I spread my money out, and then I keep some in a savings account. I started when my kids were two years old with a whole life insurance policy that if I never touch it when they turn 21, they're going to have, you know, $100,000 each. I think about those things now. I think about my future and I think about how when I serve the Lord, I'm working for him, not you. I'm not held captive by whether you give or don't give. It's so freeing. Don't be held captive by your job. Don't let money hold you captive. You'll be robbed. Don't even desire to be rich. I know that sounds so crazy to some of you in America, but let me show you what the scriptures say about that. If you go back a few verses to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, look at the scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which dr- will drown you. You know what it means to be drowned? Pulled to the bottom by the weight. I know that weight. It's miserable. The pressure, the stress, the debt. And I have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that I carry right now. But it's not drowning me. I have businesses. Most people that ultimately wind up making a lot of money had to take risks. I'm a risk taker. But I'm a huge giver of my tithe, my talent, my money. Everything in my life. And what happens is when you chase after wealth or desire to be rich, it ultimately will drown you. You'll fall into foolish, harmful lust, even if you think it's in right intentions. That's why Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, nobody can serve two masters. It's one or the other. It makes it so, look at the scripture. I'm sorry, it's it's 9-6, I think, or whatever the one is I gave you. You can't serve two masters. It's one or the other. Mammon will kill you. You know what mammon is? It's the desire for, spirit, for wealth. Would I like to make more money? Would I like more coffee shops? Would I love a long-lost relative to leave me millions? <laughs> I don't play the lottery, so I can't say what I like to win the lottery. So but if you win the lottery, you better tithe. That's all I got to say. You better tithe. I'm not, I'm not kidding. If you play the lottery and you win, and I, you better give 10% here. But the thing is, is that when you pursue money and wealth, that thing becomes the Lord of your life. I think God wants you to be prosperous and blessed. And he knows whether you can sustain a million or more a year or whatever it is. You know, if you make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you're in the top ten percent wage earners of, of um, the United States. Did you know that? Top ten percent. If you make one hundred ninety thousand, top five percent. If you make five hundred thousand dollars a year, you're only you're in the top one percent. And some of you are going to make that. And some of you may never. I may never. And my desires for him, might I like those things? Sure, but at the end of the day, I want what he wants, and he's my Lord, and my life's his, not my own. Because somebody wrote a $100,000 check, somebody could write a million-dollar check for this church. I'm believing for that. Why? Because there's a lot of sick, hurting, broken, dying people that need a place to come and need family. It's not to build a bigger kingdom for me to get a bigger paycheck. It's none of that. The purpose is there are broken, hurting people that don't have family and don't have what we have or know what we know or experiencing the life that we experience. And I want to give it away. I want to give it away. I want to give my life away. I want to give it away to this next generation. If you're 40 and under, 30 and under, you're going to take this thing over. My kids, our children... Are going to take this thing over and they're going to take it over from you. So we're building lasting legacy. Now watch this. Let's pull the scripture. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 18. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and and to be generous and willing to share. God loves a cheerful giver, so be generous. Whatever you got. If you make $10,000 a year, be generous. You know, it drives my baristas and my managers nuts at the coffee shop. Because I'm like, I give so much coffee away. I really do. Like, just, it, it's, and it's like, I'm obsessed with it. I'm like, treat that person a cup of coffee. And they just don't, they just don't, Mallory, Fran just look at me and go, yes, sir. Treat that person a cup of coffee. I just don't say no to fundraisers. I give stuff away. I'm like, whatever, $500 to this person, $100, $50. Because I never had it to begin with, and it's God's anyway. And so God loves a cheerful giver. How much more cheerful can I become? A lot more. I mean, like, a lot more. That's, That's how you break the poverty mindset. I get it. Some of you don't make a lot of money, and it's like you don't have much. But some of you never give. You don't tithe. You don't serve. Why? And I don't beat that drum hard. I'm just wanting you to understand something. That when you start to do those things, you position yourself for in the future. Because watch this. When you live that way, look at verse 19. Verse 19 is what I really, is the whole point of the whole message right here. In this way, you lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation in the coming age. Everybody say the coming age. This word age is aeon. It means a a season or a span or a time of life. Yes, it's eternity now. I'm, I'm investing into eternity. But I'm really investing into the coming age. There's a coming age. I'm living in a coming age from a previous age of 21 years ago. I can tell you a story of how I wrote a vision that's come to pass in my life now. But I want you to get it. And if you'll live... With doing good deeds and you're understanding that God richly provides for you and you're cheerful and you're willing and you're generous, not just of your money, but your time, your talents, your whole life, what, do you, what does it do? It builds a firm foundation for the age to come. You know what a firm foundation is? It's immovable and it's unshakable. Let me ask you a question. What happens if you build a house on a cracked foundation? Why does it crumble? Nothing to stand on. Why else? The weight of it over the course of time. And throw in droughts, floods, cold, hot, struggles, challenges. Marriage is tough as it is. If you didn't build on a firm foundation, your marriage will really be under attack. So I had to go back to my wife and repent for not being a good leader before we got married. I had to repair that foundation. Because I was tired of it crumbling underneath my feet. So notice the, the comparison now that I started out with. Command those in this current age, and that's all, y'all, so that in the coming age, Catherine, and every teenager, every young person in this room, there's a coming age. My dad taught me a long, 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 long time ago when I was young to put money away and invest it for 40 years later, and I did. Now my net worth is substantially higher because of investments I made 20, 30, 40 years ago. Now I'm doing it for my kids. You can do it. And you have to understand, you don't work for man. You work for Jesus. Become an employee of the kingdom. You can't get a better return, better than Wall Street, better than stocks. It doesn't matter what the economy does. Do you see it? You, you lay up. Everybody say, I'm laying up. laying up. Treasure for a firm foundation, unshakable and immovable in the coming age. Why? So that I may take, t- take hold of life, and that is true life. Do you know there's life, and then there's true life? Here's the point of all three verses. There's life where you're just living and existing. I need you to self-deprecate if you're just existing. I'm here to pull you out of it. Take it from a guy that was a drug-dealing ex-con that has no more record, wiped clean. Do a background check. I have an LTC, wiped (laughs) clean. Take it from me. I believe in you. I'm not in this for me. My vision statement of abundant life to give it away, happy, healthy, and free is as alive today as it was 21 years ago. Sorry, Who was that? Is that the man version of Siri? <laughs> yes. There's a man version of Siri? I had no idea. only you only you would have that on your phone (coughs) that is awesome true life go to the next part of the screen who wants to take hold of true life make the sacrifice sacrifices move the heart of God. Present yourself to God, a living sacrifice. It means I'm all in, even when it's not convenient. And it doesn't mean I sacrifice my kids on the altar of ministry, but I also don't make it all about my kids. That creates entitlement and selfishness and spoils them. Right? Find the balance. I don't want to burn my kids out. I don't want my kids to be a typical PK, and I pray that they won't. Some of you understand what it means where your parents were all about ministry and church. That's why I don't, do mo- I don't do a lot of dinners and meetings. I come on most Wednesdays, but some, not everyone sometimes. I don't beat you up if you miss church. I don't beat you up if you don't volunteer or give. I'm not even checking your tithe records. So just be free of that. I think it's a money message. I don't even know whether you do or don't. I'm just telling you to do it. I'm telling you to make a sacrifice. I get it. Kids are tough. Family's tough. God knew that. He'll have grace for you. You come when it's hard. You come when you'd rather stay home. You give when you can't give. You serve no matter what. That's how I've lived my life. Because I want true life. I want real life that's, that means something. I want life that has incredible rewards. I want to be excited. You know what excites me more than anything? Not what my I, you know tax return check is going to be. Not even that $100,000 that was given to Rock City. Not even the million that might come. You know what really excites me? When your marriage gets restored. You know what when I sleep the best? When I see a 16-year-old get baptized in the Holy Spirit and flamed on and on fire and doesn't ever stop posting it on Facebook. You know what really gets me excited is when a young adult comes out of the clubs and the party scene and living for herself, and now she's at church and conferences and New Year's celebrating here and singing and dancing and fired up for Jesus. She could have whatever she wants in the world, but all she wants is Jesus. I sleep good at night when I see that. (laughs) Riches are uncertain. There's no certainty in money, but there's certainty in the kingdom. And I just want to inspire you guys. I want to inspire you. Know the Lord. I'll conclude with this scripture. Jeremiah, I love this so much. I love, 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 love. Highlight this. Meditate on this. Know this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Let not the wise man glory in how smart he is. Or how many degrees you have. Or how much you know. Let not the mighty man glory in his strength or his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But if you're going to glory or be fired up or boast about anything in your life, let it be about this. Verse 25. Or I'm sorry, verse 24. Let, there you go. I'm sorry, go back one. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows the ways of the Lord. We stop living for his hand and start living for his heart. I stop living for the next thing God's going to do for me, and I start living to know him and understand him more. Isn't that powerful? And that the Lord exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. That's what gets him fired up. For in that I delight, I read it as that fires me up. I want to see the Lord fired up. So bring your brokenness in your marriage. And I'm one guy and I'm going to fail you. I'm going to forget to call you back. I'm going to not text you back. I'm going to miss a meeting sometimes. I'm a, I don't want to. It's not purposeful. But I'm only really as great as the people around me. There's people that don't come to this church because in their moment of crisis, I couldn't call them or rescue them, but they don't want to get in relationship with you. They want all of me, but none of you. That's not going to work. It's decentralized leadership. I need you to get in a position. Get in a position. Use what God's got in your hand. Stop thinking yourself less than. I'll say this to a homeless person. I'll say it to any of y'all. I've been there. It's us. We. Our. Not me. We lay our lives down for each other. We lay our lives down for the kingdom. And we stop getting offended. And we start to understand. And we ask God to give us wisdom. Wisdom. And we realize I don't walk in your shoes, and I'm not going to pretend to walk. I don't know what you, the weight you carry and what you feel, but I love you, and I'll pray for you. And don't try to assume or get offended at me. I got two little kids. I got coffee shops and staff and people and stuff, and I need to maintain my own sanity to a certain degree, right? But I love you. I couldn't make it through life without this church. Me personally, I would die without this church. I don't know what i do without you. I've been through the most difficult times of my life while being a part of this church. And if it wasn't for you, standing together with me, my wife and I would not be where we're at today. And now with the money that's come in and how much we've been blessed, we pay light bills, we help people, we support entire families for seasons to get them. I've helped families that had nothing, that, tur- that their life turned around, and now they're some of our biggest givers in the church. And it's God's money, and there's times that I can't help, and there's time. and God says, no, don't, you're going to enable, and there's time God says, write the check. Even if it's been the fifth or sixth time that you've needed help, and, God, and I write it, and I hear the Lord say, thank you. It was never yours to begin with. Because we're not in it alone. I'm here to help you. We're, we are a family. We're a tribe. We're an army. So let's get in the fight. Rich in good deeds. That was the word, rich and good deeds. I titled this a firm, building a firm foundation, but it, it really could have been titled rich and good deeds. Be rich and good deeds, guys. The reward is incredible. It's an incredible reward. Jesus is the best boss to ever work for. He loves you. He provides all things for your enjoyment. Ta-da! Not, and enjoyment doesn't mean, you know, things contrary to his will, living a sinful life, it means that now because I'm not living a sinful life, man, do I enjoy what God's given me because I'm free. And so if you want to be free, I want to pray for you. If you are, feel stuck, here's one thing that's very big in this context. I feel stuck. I'm a slave to my job. I'm a slave to money. I don't know how I'm going to get out. I feel imprisoned. We're going to have a jailbreak today. It's not predicated on how much money you do or don't make, or it's predicated on your belief system and trust in God. Let's, get, let's have a jailbreak. Get out of the poverty mindset. Let's believe it's going to be the best. Watch the journey. Y'all are in on the ground. This is the ground level of something incredible is about to happen. And if you don't leave or give up, we'll all get to sharing the benefits together. Because what good it would it be if I shared in it alone? I would hate it. But I get. why do you think I would even say we got $100,000? I say it because I want to celebrate it with you. And some of you, if you have a poverty mentality, oh, man, that, like Judas. Well, that, money, that oil could have been used to feed the poor. And Jesus says, you know what matters the most? That it was poured out on my feet to worship and anoint me. It's all for Jesus. And Jesus will give us the resources to help the poor and to help the homeless and to help the hurting and to help the broken and to help the rich addict, whoever it is. It doesn't matter. Everybody needs Jesus. So if you feel stuck, poverty mentality, worried if Jesus hasn't been your provider, if you haven't seen it right, if this message has convicted you, you need to receive prayer today. Let's seal the deal. Together as a family. Want to? Who wants to? I do because I'm not giving up and don't think I've arrived. In fact, I feel like we've just begun, don't you? Doesn't it kind of feel like we're just starting? (sighs) Let's all stand. Close your eyes with me for a moment and listen to this story. Today a little boy during worship came up to me. He was holding jewels in his hand. He's a little boy that, probably one of your all's kids. I want to tell you this encounter I had during worship. Close your eyes, and listen to this story. The little boy that came up to me, he has lights flashing in his shoes. And he came up and he had jewels. They're pretend jewels. They're fake jewels, plastic jewels, but rubies and emeralds in his hand. And he came up and he hold, held them out in front of me so I could see him close his hand and walked away. And I watched him spread them out on the stage. And then God began to speak to me about these jewels. The Lord was reminding me through a child that God had the best jewels of the kingdom that is coming to me and to you and to this church through a child. I was fascinated. The boy's light-up shoes reminded me of the fascination and wonder of the kingdom of God and all that he created. And I began to dream like a child. And God said, I have that for you. And then the boy came back over and he walked around me and he looked at me and he's like, are you the pastor? I'm like, yeah. And just kept looking at me and walking around and then he would hold out those jewels in front of me as he'd walk around and i said how old are you he said i'm 6 i said where did you get those jewels and he said god gave them to me and i said how did you get them he said i don't know it just happened and the lord spoke to me about my life many 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 many, many years ago When I dreamed about you and the jewels of the kingdom. When I dreamed about wisdom being more precious than rubies and gold and silver. God began to speak to me about his desire to pour his glory out and have signs and wonders and miracles in this church. And I said, God, let it be. And today the Lord is saying to you, become like a child. For I have my jewels and precious gems of the kingdom to give to you. It's my good pleasure, says the Father, to give the kingdom to you. Come out from under the weight. Stop drowning. I'm going to pull you up and out of the bottom of the sea. I'm going to rescue you out of the debt, fear, worry, and being a slave to the master of mammon. Trust me, says the Lord. My love and my mercy so great for you, and I have incredible plans for your life. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge me. In all of your ways, acknowledge me, and I'll direct your path. So our response is, Lord, direct our path. Direct my path, God. Direct my path. I'd like to ask my prayer partners and ministry team to come up right now. I'm going to release you to get your kids. You can bring them back. But today, if you're not born again, you've not given your life to Jesus, or you're in a world of debt, hurt, pain, and pressure, and you're drowning, if you've never seen the Lord as your boss and your provider, if you've not been enjoying life, if you're stressed, broke, busted, and depressed, worried, downcast, and afraid, I want to invite you to come up and receive prayer today. Let somebody stand with you and pray with you. Let somebody speak into your life and agree with you. So if that's you, please start making your way up to the front. And I'm going to pray for you and release you. Grab your kids. You can come back. Let's take conversations to the lobby. Lord, I thank you for everybody in this church. And I thank you, God, for how much you care about us and love us and watch out for us. Thank you for restoration of marriages, restoration of everything that's been robbed, lost, and stolen, even when we squandered it away. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy, your kindness. And thank you, God, that you delight in the prosperity of your sons and daughters. And, Lord, we trust in that. And that, Lord, you know what's best. So we take our eyes off our money and our jobs and our stuff, and we get them on you. Lead us. Show us how to be good stewards and faithful with what you've given us. How to have a good work ethic and to uh, be faithful with another man so that one day you can give us our own. Faithful in a little so that one day we'd have a lot. We trust you. We invest our time and our talents and our energy fully into the kingdom. Thank you for godliness and contentment, which leads to great gain. It's what we want more than anything, and it's my prayer for this church. I pray that Rock City Church would be godly, content, and experience incredible great gain. I bless you all mightily. In Jesus' name, amen.